Happy Easter to everyone, and we're so glad uh, that you are here and looking forward to just sharing a little bit about uh, what I believe God has for us this morning. And so for those of you, and this isn't um, uh, an attempt to shame or embarrass, but if there's maybe people in here that go to church uh, like twice a year, Christmas and Easter, so glad that you're here, but I just want to reassure you that at church we talk more than just about when Jesus was born and when Jesus died. There's a lot of stuff that happened in between. And so, uh, again, we will be talking about Jesus' death and resurrection today. Uh, but if you're here like, oh, man, every year, same sermon, uh, I just want to assure you that there's other components that we talk about as well. And so, hey, just, just to see what's out there, raise your hand if your team peeps. Like, yes. Okay. Wow, really? Okay. Because I'm definitely team peeps. So thank you for the... Oh, wow. I just lost a ton of credibility this morning. <laughs> but for those of you that are with me, thank you. Uh, but I am team peeps. It is one of those things where it's like you love them or hate them. Uh, and I happen to love them. So today we are in John chapter 20. Uh, and we're going to read a few verses. I'm going to pray, and then I'm going to unpack that a little bit uh, about what I believe Easter and how Easter can be hopeful to us for many of us as we walk through these doors. And, and even though Easter is about resurrection and hope and new life and excitement and joy, I'm not uh, ignorant enough to believe that that is the story for all of us walking into these doors. For some reason, whether you call it Easter or Christmas or any exciting holiday, it doesn't mean that our lives are immune to life and the hardships and the challenges and the elements of things that we just can't seem to let go. So maybe this conversation around death and resurrection can inspire a little bit more hope in us. And I do believe that as the Spirit speaks, as Jesus, through the power of His Spirit, is in this room, I believe that all of us has something to hear from God. And so let me just read this. It'll be on the screen for you in John chapter 20, uh, verse 11. And I'll just read to, uh, to 14. The word of the Lord says this, Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying, as she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and one at the feet. They asked for her, woman, why are you crying? Now when the angels say woman, addresses her as woman, it's not disrespectful. Uh, but all that to say is don't, don't do that today. Uh, but in the first century, that was common conversation, uh, rhetoric that was not considered disrespectful. So the angel said, they asked her, woman, why are you crying? And then Mary says, they, they have taken my Lord away. She said, and I don't know where they have put him. We'll stop, the, stop there for now. And I just want to set up the scene for you that, that Jesus, if you were here uh, or you know, with us on our Good Friday service, uh, Jesus was crucified and buried inside of a tomb. And here, three days later, on Easter Sunday, his disciples, including Mary, especially Mary, come to uh, 
see and honor Jesus' body. And I love the story that it was Mary. And many would say that without Mary, a.k.a. without women, as Jesus' disciples, we would not even know about the resurrection today. So we're thankful for the work of Mary. And Mary looks into the tomb to, know, to see that Jesus' body is no longer. Instead, she's greeted by angels asking a question, why are you crying? And this is where the story unfolds. But let's pray. God, thank you for the story of your resurrection. God, that resurrection power lives in us as well right now today. So many of us, we bring into these doors places where we need new life. We need a resurrection. We need a victory over what's happening. And so, God, may we be encouraged and know and be reminded that it will happen because of your resurrection. And we will thank you for that. In your name we pray, amen and amen. I want to start off again with just asking kind of a strange question. And the question is this. If you had the opportunity to live forever, how would you reply to that? And now, I don't want you to get so over-spiritual. Like if you're a Christian, if you identify as being a follower of Jesus, we do believe the new heavens and the new earth, that after we die, life isn't over and we live forever with God. Now, yes, that is absolutely true, and that's the hope we have in Christ. But the question, let's not over-spiritualize. The question is, if you had the chance, would you live here on earth, this broken planet, earth, in the mess? And, and, and perhaps I'll even throw this in. The people around you are, are also aging. You're, you're aging, and maybe people are passing. And yet you, out of anyone in this world, have the opportunity to live forever and ever would you say yes or no? No, as in you just live a normal lifespan and then be with Jesus. Now, I bet, uh, you don't need to answer this or, or why, but I would imagine, and this is my answer, I would imagine that many of you, ironically, would actually say no to that. No. Because what we realize is that sometimes when we think about death, and not to sound so morbid, on a day of resurrection, that death isn't always a bad thing. Hard, yes. There's grief, there's mourning, there's loss. But it's not always a bad thing. Now, the caveat is this. I'm certainly not speaking of any tragedy, of illness, of violence, of premature death. I'm not, I'm not talking of that. God grieves so much. And there's moments where we see that. We see this on the news. We see what happened in schools and shooting. Like, we see all of that, and we can confidently say that God's heart is broken. And we can confidently say it wasn't supposed to be this way. But in other aspects of our lives, death isn't seen, aside from that caveat, death isn't always such a negative embodiment. There's more natural ways of death as well, right? We, when we do lose somebody through perhaps old age and natural causes, we go to their funeral. And, and we don't necessarily always call it a funeral. We call it a celebration of life because it's an opportunity to celebrate the legacy that someone leaves and holds. In the animal kingdom, there is a food chain. A death of one animal, as sad as that is, sustains a life 
of another. Now that it's come into spring, we're thinking about our gardens or, or yards or whatnot, and we prune trees, we prune plants, we essentially cut away the branches and throw them out, but in order for there to be space for new life and nutrients and sunlight and health. And now this analogy and these examples that we see in real life in the environment in the world also can be an example of how death plays in our lives also in a powerful way. We've experienced death of a relationship. And sometimes that's good, hard, but necessary. We've experienced death in a career. That was hard, but it brought newness in the next chapter. When I was in seventh grade, my mom a few years ago found a uh, project that I did. What, did. what do you want to be when you grow up? And mind you, I'm kind of dating myself. This was after the movie, and I don't know why I was allowed to watch this movie, but The Bodyguard starring Whitney Houston. And half of you will know what I'm talking about, half of you won't. Uh, and on that assignment, that school project, it said, what do you want to be when you grew up? When you grow up? And I put bodyguard. I wanted to be a bodyguard. Thank you to Kevin Costner uh, and his uh, bravery protecting none other than Whitney Houston. But eventually that career dream had to die, and I moved on. We, many of us, experience death in a vision for the future. We plan out how the future is going to look and how things are going to unfold, and yet we have to mourn it because it doesn't turn out that way. And, and I know that oftentimes when that happens, it doesn't feel good, it hurts, it's, it's painful, but to put to rest and to move forward brings a newness that is necessary in our lives. There's a death and even a life stage and for good reason. If I asked you, you don't have to do this, if I asked you to raise your hand, how many of you would want to relive junior high, high school? I bet many of you would be like, nope, no thank you. We move on from that life stage, and it's not always a bad thing. I shared with this on Friday that my wife and I, Maria, we are expecting our baby girl in June, and part of that, well, all of that is very exciting and nerve-wracking, and things are going to happen. But there's also a sense of mourning that will no longer be just us, a couple, where we can just pick up and travel or go out and, and hang out. And, and not to say that the baby's going to ruin our lives by any means. We're so excited. And yet it's a new st season and a new stage of our lives. So all that to say is that sometimes death, not just in a physical sense, but there are moments of death that is actually a good thing. Hard, painful, sad, and even, even uh, a sense of grief and mourning, but yet necessary for something new to happen in our lives. And that is exactly and precisely what the story of Jesus' death and resurrection unfolds. It's the ultimate reminder that even though death happens, death does not have the last word. In fact, death is only a prerequisite for new life. And this is actually great news. It means that darkness and pain and, and again, loss and mourning and grief will never, ever, ever have the last word. 
even in the darkest of days of your life, the hope of Jesus, the hope of Jesus will always finish the story. So many of us, we're in the middle of the story, and all we see is gloom and darkness, and we're experiencing what we call the Friday, the good Friday, where we, where we honor and we acknowledge that there was a death and there was a burial. And many of us, we're living in that season right now, but the Easter story is a reminder that, that Jesus and the hope of Christ, even in the midst of that darkness, that story is not over yet. And so know that God is moving regardless of what you are going through. Whether you see it or not, Jesus is moving. But you see, there's part of a human, there's there's a human condition where we acknowledge that there's moments of things that we need to put to death, but there's this human condition where we just want to hold on. We want to hold on because holding on is comfortable, it's safe, it's easy. I mean, take, for example, relationships. I work with a lot of young people, and many of them are in incredible relationships. I've done weddings, and it's such an honor. I did a wedding just a couple weeks ago for one of our pastors, uh, Hannah, who's around. You met her and her wonderful husband, Gunner, who's sitting somewhere high. Uh, and it's amazing. But then I've also sat with couples where things are unhealthy and toxic and dangerous even sometimes. And Sometimes we hold on to these even bad relationships because we're convinced that even being in a bad relationship is better than being in no relationship at all. So we hold on even though it's no good. and Even though we need to put it to death, we tend to just hold on to things. We hold on to even our youth. As we grow older, for some reason in our society, we worship youthfulness. There's products that says, look young forever. There's products that says, beautiful is, is what this looks like in these magazines. And, and we hold on. And for many of us, we don't want to move on. We don't want to put to death the season of our 20s, our 30s, our 40s, or whatever it, those seasons might be. We want to hold on because some reason our society has convinced us, do not move forward. We hold on to things that need to change because letting go is hard. We stay in a career we know that we're not supposed to be in. Again, I've worked with couples who don't want to move on from their singlehood and they bring in particular levels of selfishness and their bachelorism or bacheloretteism into the marriage that doesn't help as two lives become one. We fall into this myth that it's easier just to hold on to what we have no matter how hard it is. Because the end of the day, the lie is that whatever that might be, whether it's a relationship or a career or a stage of life, we have to hold on because when you hold on, then is when you experience fullness of life. If the myth is that you have to be married, you have to have kids, you have to be in a relationship to experience fullness and goodness and joy and peace of God, then you're going to say, well, this relationship is terrible, so, so, but I want to be in this terrible relationship because it's better than not being in a relationship because the lie is being in a relationship, even if it's terrible, brings me joy and contentment and love and peace and satisfaction. And we know that that's just not true. We've fallen into this lie. Again, the story of John 
and life and death and resurrection reminds us it's okay to put things to death. In fact, it's necessary. Why? Because it's a prerequisite to making space for what God has for us next. Moving on in the story in verse 15 about Mary. He asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it that you are looking for? Thinking that he was the gardener, she said. Now, this is a really funny story. Mary is next to the tomb. She looks in, no Jesus, the angels. Why are you crying as if the angels don't know why she's crying? She's crying because she just lost her Messiah. She lost the Lord of her life to death. All the expectations that she had in Jesus has been crushed and no longer. And the angels obviously know that, yet asks this question, why Why are you crying? Knowing exactly why. And then she looks around and sees who, who she thinks is the gardener, and this gardener actually asks the same question. Woman, why are you crying? Mary, why are you crying? Who is it that you're looking for, this gardener asks. And then she replies, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will get him. Jesus said to her, spoiler alert, it was Jesus, not the gardener, Mary she turned towards him and cried out in Aramaic, the language that Jesus would have spoke during the day, Rabbanai, which means teacher. Jesus says, do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father, to heaven, to God. Go instead to my brothers, his other disciples, and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the, to the disciples, exactly how Jesus told her to do, with the news, I have seen the Lord, she shouts. And she told them that what he, all of the things that he had said to her. Again, Jesus has died and has been buried into a tomb. His disciples are in extreme mourning, grief. There's a death. Mary goes to the tomb to honor the body. This was a normal practice in the first century, especially in Judaism, where you would cover the body, the dead body, with spices and clothe the body to give it respect and dignity. In a body that disappears in the first century or that has been tampered with or has been messed with would be the ultimate form of shame and disrespect. And again, the angels then say, why are you crying? Well, because Mary thought someone stole Jesus' body. Who, 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 who she came to, to honor and to pay homage to and to respect with spices and clothing. And yet, in her mind, someone stole and ultimately disrespected her Messiah. That's why she's crying. And then when she came and she saw Jesus, he also asks, why are you crying? Because ultimately, it's this. Jesus is saying... Not out of genuine curiosity, why are you crying? It wasn't a question. It was more of a statement. Mary, I understand that you are sad. Mary, I understand that you are just broken over the loss. Well, for the angels, the Savior, Jesus, saying, I know that you're mourning my death. But the story isn't finished. The story isn't finished. I am going to ascend to the Father. I am going to heaven, which then brings about new life. I am resurrected. 
Death did not keep me into the tomb. The story is not over. Why are you crying? And it's not a shame on, some, on sadness or tears or crying, but Jesus was reminding Mary that the story isn't over, that the death did not have the last word. It needed to happen. Why? Because death becomes the prerequisite to new life. In Isaiah 53, in the Old Testament, thousands of years before this happened, there was a prophecy of Isaiah, and he says this, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. Jesus says this had to have happened. This story is yet to be completed, even though right now you experience this death. And so oftentimes this is true in our own lives. We need to create space for what God has for us in our lives. But we hold on so much to Good Friday that Easter has a hard time breaking into our lives. So how do we do this? I call this the Marie Kondo of life. And if you are familiar with Marie Kondo, she was the pioneer of, of making space and cleaning closets and organization. Uh, and, and I love her philosophy on how that happens. I'll give you an example. Uh, my wife, Maria, we have, I'll just say, different definitions of cleanliness at home. Uh, and maybe if you live with someone, whether it's a spouse or a roommate or a friend, uh, you know exactly what I'm talking about. She's very clean and organized. I'm not saying that I'm messy, uh, but I'm not super organized or clean in my space. And so oftentimes we'll do like a spring cleaning. And so I'll go into my closet or my drawer, and I don't know why, but I have a ton of just old t-shirts. And, and uh, Marie and I are trying to reduce and make space. We're like, okay, we have to figure out what we're going to donate and get rid of. And I was like, okay, so now I'm taking these shirts off or uh, off, off, the, uh, off the closet and from the drawers. Shirt that I haven't worn in months. And I'm like, Maria's like, that's got to go. I'm like, no, 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 this, uh, this was my first T-shirt in uh, this CrossFit, I do CrossFit competition, and so I'm not going to throw it away. This has got to stay. It's like, okay, fine, that, that shirt can stay. Next, I'm looking at, okay, this was my first shirt that I wore uh, when this happened. So uh, I haven't worn it in about two years, but I'm keeping it. Uh, okay, another shirt. Well, okay, this is a shirt that my friend and, got me. It's really special, so I got to keep it. And then the, at the end of the day, I don't get rid of anything because I have a hard time letting go of these shirts I need to go to create space. I don't make room for it. I don't even wear it. I don't even need it. It's just taking up space. The other day, we were also doing some more cleaning, and uh, she brought out some medals, like, an actual, like award, award medals. And uh, it was my first medal in 2010 uh, from doing a jiu-jitsu tournament, a grappling tournament. Uh, and she was like, what is this medal from? And I was like, oh, that's so, I'm so glad you found it because I haven't seen it in years. Uh, because that is my first medal I ever won in a jiu-jitsu tournament, grappling tournament, and it's so special. And her next response was, great, can we get rid of it? And I'm like, what? No. So it's hanging up on my desk in my own little space. But what I come to realize is that I don't need to keep it. 
What could be even more helpful as I get rid of it is to look at it, acknowledge what it's from, how I obtained it, and, and as Marie Kondo says, to give it gratitude, to say thank you. It served its purpose, and now it's time to move on. For many of us, there's areas in our lives where we need to put it to death. It's hard. It's sad. you got to let go, and we don't know how to do it. But sometimes the best way to do that, the, the pathway to letting go, is oftentimes gratitude. Thank you. You served its purpose. I've learned from you. Unhealthy relationships. Thank you for teaching me something about myself, my boundaries, my respect, my worth. Now I'm moving on to new life. That job that I lost, thank you for teaching me. Thank you for molding me and who I am in my calling and my, in my career path. But now I'm moving on to new life. And maybe it's this pursuit of just uh, uh, of money and upward mobility, and you're at a point where you're like, I'm going to put that to death. I'm not saying that money's bad, upward mobility's bad. It's something that we all need and we need to do to provide. But what we're saying is, many of us, I'm going to put to death that that being the number one priority. I'm going to put to death my workaholism. I'm going to put to death my, uh, my desire for upward mobility and greed and to just constantly obtain and to produce as society is telling me I need to do. Thank you. You've taught me important lessons about what is important in my life. You've taught me and you showed me who I've been neglecting for this. Now I'm moving on. Thank you for the lesson. You know, in a couple of weeks, we're going to be doing baptisms. And I love when, whenever I baptize somebody, you know, I have them plug their nose and close their eyes, and we do this in this baptistry. And, and what I say is, Jesus is with you in your death, and you are now raised to new life. Into death, and now raised to new life. And whether you've actually been baptized or not, and if you haven't, I encourage you to, and I would love to do that, We've all been baptized in the name of Jesus, where we have been put to death the things that keep us from God, and God brings us to new life. And when we are able to say thank you for the things that God helps us put to death, I love what Viktor Frankl says. He, he is a counselor. He was uh, uh, in a concentration camp, in a Jewish concentration camp, and he's the, the inventor of what we would call logos therapy. And he says, and this is after his experience in a concentration camp, suffering ceases to be suffering at the moment it finds its purpose. I love that. Suffering ceases to be suffering at the moment it finds its purpose. So maybe there's things that are bringing you death and pain and unhealthiness, and toxicity, and you're having a hard time letting go, what if we looked at it through the avenue of gratitude? Yes, this was hard, but thank you. I'm moving on. And once we're able to say, I'm moving on, we can take what Viktor Frankl says. 
that suffering, that darkness that I experience, it's not actually suffering. That's not the word I would describe it. When you look back and you look at moments where God has rescued you from pain and hurt or whatever it is, my hope is that you can look back and say, you know what? Yeah, I wouldn't describe that as suffering anymore. I would describe that as a lesson learned. I would describe that as a purpose that was accomplished. Was it hard? Yes. And sometimes suffering and pain and hardship and conflict becomes not a barrier, but a laboratory. It becomes not a barrier to new life, but a laboratory for intimacy with God and to with others around you. Not a barrier. Jesus wants to bring something new into your life. May we not refuse to put to death the things that are holding on to us that are unhealthy, that, are, that represents darkness and chaos. May we be able to say thank you and let it go because it served this purpose in order to create space for the resurrection, new life, new chapter for many of us, new season for many of us. That is the story of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. And I love what this author says about the circle of life. And I'll end with this as I invite the worship team back up. It says, grass produces its own food from sunlight. A rabbit eats the grass. A fox eats the rabbit. But when the fox dies, bacteria breaks down in its body, returning it to the soil where it provides nutrients for plants like grass. It's the full circle. Let me just read that again. I just want you to imagine this, just this circle of life, and maybe the Lion King is something that pops into your mind. Grass produces its own food from sunlight. A rabbit eats the grass. A fox eats the rabbit. When the fox dies, bacteria breaks down in its body, returning it to the soil where it provides nutrients and plants and light grass. Sometimes death brings about new life. And yes, we talk about Good Friday, how Jesus was buried into a tomb, but that's only half the story. The other half is there was resurrection. But the only way that the resurrection could happen is because death happened. And so the question that I leave you with, and as we pray, something for you to ponder and myself too, what is it in our lives that, it, that we need to put to death? It's scary. It'll be hard. But what is it that we need to lay to rest and, and say, thank you, you served your purpose. Now I need you to leave because hope is coming. The resurrection wants to have the last word. What is that? Let's pray. God, thank you that death never has the last word. And yet, ironically, death is necessary. And so God, convict each and every one of us in the ways that we need to be convicted. God, may your spirit open up our minds and our souls and our hearts to, to show us what are the things that we're just grasping onto that we need to let go in order to make space for what you have for us next. We thank you. Convict us. Give us the strength to let go, to say thank you, and to receive your spirit 
your calling, your faithfulness on the cross. God, lastly, for many of us, this is their first time at church, or maybe it's the first time in a long time. And they're at a place where they're saying, you know what? What I've been doing just hasn't been working. I've left and I've gone away from God, not just the church, but God. May I return back to you. Thank you for receiving me. And and again, if this is you, you don't have to say this out loud, but I would love for you to pray something like this along with me. God, what I've been doing to find joy and peace and fulfillment hasn't been working. So God, today I choose to to give you a try. God, you promised me new life, hope, salvation, a joy that's unexplainable, a peace in all circumstances, a savior for my wrongdoing and the ways I've hurt people. God, come into my life. I don't know what that means right now, but God, come into my life and we'll figure it out because I think I need you. In your name we pray, amen and amen. We'll finish off worshiping together.